Hello and welcome to the State of Shakespeare. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And today we're joined by Camila Long. Hello, Camila. Hi. Hi, Camila. How are you? I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Camila Long is the managing director of the Play on Shakespeare series. She's been recruited by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Camila has worked with the festival for the last five years, serving in many roles, including the Associate Director of Leadership Engagement, Director of Leadership Gifts, and the Senior Director of Individual Giving and Development Operations. Play On is a mission is to enhance the understanding of Shakespeare's plays in performance for theater professionals, students, teachers, and audiences by engaging with contemporary translations and adaptations. Camila, I'm going to quote you. Camila says, I believe in... Paying my dues, working hard, being authentic, mutual respect, collaborating, and making dreams come true. I think that's fantastic. Welcome, Camila. Thank you so much for having me. I can say Jim now and Garrett. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. So tell me what drew you to play on Shakespeare. I mean, you've had a lot of different roles at Oregon Shakespeare. What drew you to play on? Well, Play On, before it became its own nonprofit, which it is now, was housed in the Oregon Shakespeare Festival as a new program. And it was set to just maybe do a few other plays and translate them uh, and just so that people can uh, have a better understanding of Shakespeare in modern day English. And uh, just like I always say in every interview, just like the Bible, you have New International Version, you have the King James Version, you know, you have all these versions. And then you have also the Bible translated in several languages. Like everything you read has the translation. It's not just one form. So people like to get touchy about Shakespeare because it's in English, but they don't think about Shakespeare being translated in other languages so that people can understand it. And one of these languages is modern English. (laughs) And what does it feel like? So um, I I like the fact that it was a little controversial, uh, controversial. And I also like the fact that um, it was something new because it has the idea of bringing the playwright into the room, which now, you know, Shakespeare isn't alive, but now you get a live playwright to work with, you know, the text with the director in the room. And then you also have different perspectives and approaches through the way that um, Louis hired different dramaturgs and artists and playwrights to work on each one of the uh, plays. So I love that idea. So I feel like it's Shakespeare evolutionaries, like the Shakespeare evolving. So I feel like I'm a Shakespeare evolutionary in my own right. Camila, we were talking before we started recording here about your background in Shakespeare. You're from Montgomery, Alabama, which is the home of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. So when did you start getting involved in Shakespeare? Um, I would say involved. I would say, I think I call it in the shadow of Shakespeare. Sort of kind of uh, living in Alabama and Alabama Shakespeare Festival and uh, living in the shadow of this great thing that people would come to uh, visit. If you've ever been on the campus of the uh, Alabama Shakespeare Festival, it's gorgeous, right? Uh, Rolling green hills, ponds and museums set there. It's just beautiful. So I would be there, right? And then I also was an usher uh, there. So I was I feel like I felt like I was in the shadow of Shakespeare for a while. And then when I went to graduate school, one of my professors, Dr. Renda Fry, she's like a Shakespeare scholar, right? And she and I took to each other very well. So I began to love my classes, my Shakespeare classes. And I was orig- then I got cast as uh, Titania uh, in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was over from there. I felt like, oh my God, like I really I love, I love, I love, I'm a, I'm a fan of Shakespeare, but my favorite play is 
Titus Andronicus, which would be very controversial <laughs> to some people. But, uh, people hate this play. You either hate it or you <laughs> no. love it. This is my favorite one. And it's because um, one of my friends, and this was an undergraduate uh, school at um, which I come from the theater department at Alabama State University, go Hornets, um, <laughs> underneath uh, Dr. Tommy Tonia Stewart. And I needed a monologue one year and somebody sent me to uh, Titus, Tamora. And I read the whole play and oh my God, I thought it had so much drama and comedy and so much ridiculousness in it. I didn't know, I didn't know Shakespeare could write like that too. Like I, I think it's like a telenovela or something for like a version of, of what it would be like for that time, right? So I really got the play and um, I love her monologue in that play. So yeah, so I feel like that's how I got the story. I love his storytelling. Well, we're going to check in with Titus Andronicus a little later in the interview, but let's check in with the play on Shakespeare. The last time we checked in with play on was uh, our interview with Dave Hitz. And I think, Jim, that that was pre-pandemic, wasn't it? It seems like it wasn't very long ago, but my hat. No, I think it was, uh, I think it was January last year, January, 2020. So yeah, pre-pandemic. Okay. So, but 2019 was actually a busy year for the play on project and 2020, 2020 and 2020. 21 are shaping up to be even busier. So what's going on now? Oh my God. Um, right now we are launching a podcast in March. Our publications come out and we're having all of the, um, all 39 of the works published. And we have some, we'll bring them, we'll bring them out over time. Like every three months, we'll launch some more. Uh, so we got publications coming out. We got, a few, we got a film. We're going to film a live production of it and have it. Then we're going to also do a, a film, a feature film uh, with one of the translations. So we have a lot going on. So we're just not like some translation that happened and that just will end up in an anthology. Like we also are working on the play on method, which is a teaching method for play on in the translation. So we're doing that this summer and we're going to uh, take 25 teachers from around the country and teach them the play on uh, method and then hopefully have them, you, they can get certified to use um, an education. We are partnering with my hometown, the Magnet School, Booker T. Washington with uh, Michael McDonald there in Montgomery to uh, do one of our Shakespeare translations with the students there. So yeah, we got a lot going on. Yeah, it's, it's never a dull moment, I will tell you. <laughs> wow, that, that's that's impressive, all, all the different branches you have going on. The podcasts um, are going to be amazing. I can't give any spoilers yet, <laughs> but the cast for the podcasts are amazing. Are the podcasts readings of the plays? Yes, there are readings, but they are, um, you know, there's sound, there's atmosphere, there's drama. Like it's, it's like if you were to put it on in your car driving and your kids were in there, they would probably be caught up in every moment, right? So it's, it's not an audio book, you know, it's a podcast and uh, it's more like a drama radio. It's like a mashup between the two. So right, when, like I, radio play. when I heard the first sample of what it is we are doing, because I'm not in that room, I'm not the project leader on that, but I'm, I'm a fan of it and I'm waiting for it to come out. So Macbeth will be our first one and we're going to release that um, hopefully at the end of March. Have you had any interest from outside organizations in the play on texts, um, whether it's 
educationally or in performance for an audience? I mean, obviously. Uh, yes, we have. Um, right now we're in talks with um, uh, San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Maybe Oregon Shakespeare Festival may be doing something, one of our translations. But we're always with high schools. Um, like um, I think SUNY Pulse has done something. Of course, Alabama Shakespeare Festival has in the past. Uh, right now we play on version 2.0 is like, who wants to play with us, right? <laughs> so um, who wants to play on with us? I have to <laughs> who wants to play on with us? And we're just saying like, hey, if you want to, these are the ways in which you can engage with us and play. You can uh, produce a play, you can get a publication, you can do a teacher training, you can view one of our recordings, like which way do you want to engage? So we're working on that so we can bring the translations out to a larger audience. So that number is increasing. I think we're going to be beating people away probably like in the next year if everything goes right. Well, I have an answer to the question that I'm about, about to ask. And I know our listeners who've been checking in with the play on Shakespeare for with us for the last five years probably have a pretty good answer to this question. But for our new listeners, why would someone want to do a play on version of a Shakespeare play to produce it as opposed to any other existing version of a Shakespeare play? Well, I think if they want to just try it in translation. Like if they, we always say, just try it in translation. Um, and if they don't know what a translation is, they can use our side by side. When we say try it in translation, the best thing to do is to look at the Shakespeare test, text and look at play on's text. And then you will understand. It's to look and then you will know. Uh, so it's hard to say why you have to know for yourself why. So, but you have to see the side by sides, which we have demos and we're doing another set of demos coming up where we, you actually see actors read the verse and then do it in the translation. You, it, you'll, you'll just, your mind just explodes because sometimes people think they're saying things that they don't mean. And then you also need the annotation all the time. It's just like having the annotation within the text. So you don't have to keep flipping the page back. Like, you know, the, um, the anime artists have to flip and see the thing flip. That's how Shakespeare is like drawing anime. You got to look, what did I mean? What did I say? You're looking back. Think about all the time you're spending trying to figure out what you're trying to say. Right. So if you want to get straight into the translation of play, not have to worry about trying to look up every single word and just know if you're ready to hit play, take a play on translation. Yeah, as you probably know, we interviewed Elise Theron and Aditi Kapil, two of the playwrights who translated plays. And one thing that I took away from our interviews with them is how, this is the wrong word, but reverent they were with the text and how they really worked hard at creating a translation that was true to the original, but also in this world today. Yeah. And it really went a long way to converting me to being okay with uh, the idea of translation since I was definitely a skeptic early on. But the more we talk, the more I start getting won over. So I was really impressed with that. And it sounds like that's what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's it. It's not that deep, if you ask me. Like, hey, everybody has their preference. It's like, you know, you got a, several different types of wallets that you want to hold your money in. You know, you go pick the kind you want, and we're just a part of the selection, you know, of, of the variety. Some people like leather-bound books. Some people like the kind that are, you know, carb, hard, hard, hard copy, soft copy, whatever you want to do. We just, we're just diversifying what's out there. And one of the first rules um, with uh, working with playwrights who we commission is do no harm because we're not changing Shakespeare's story. We're not trying to improve Shakespeare's thoughts or make his plays better. 
at all. It's not to make his play better. It is to translate it in the word that it has right now. So Jive Turkey, like I like to say, if it was an old movie and you had to go out, you know, 70s movie and take out the word Jive Turkey and replace it with something, what would you choose? <laughs> you know, nobody's saying Jive Turkey anymore. Why would we saying Jive Turkey? We'll That's find hilarious. the replacement for that word. That's hilarious. What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Right. It's like saying psych, you know, and everybody's right. going psych. Well, what do we replace that? Is? What do we replace lying with? No cap. Stop capping. You know, these right. days, saying capping. Right. Uh, you have to know that. So we're bringing it, of course, not up to like trend culture, but, you know, to just like basic new vocabulary. Oh, God. Like King Lear, uh, Marcus Gardley's King Lear. His translation is amazing. Like it opened up that play for me. I don't even think I liked that play um, until I heard the. Uh, at, we went to the Play On Festival in New York, where we uh, read all thirty nine plays with mm-hmm. all those actors. Those I didn't go to all of them because I didn't work for Play On then. But oh my god, hearing that play, I was amazed. I was like, I want to just read it over and over because he blew my mind. Actually, that's great. That's when we interviewed Dave when during the Play On Festival. Oh, and thank God for the Hits Foundation, I have to say. And I don't know if people say God, but I mean, like, in their generosity for this project and being able to uh, support this big vision, because it started off so small. I think it was just supposed to be five translations. And then to say yes to doing 39 and then also, you know, be our main funder to keep play on Shakespeare on his feet and um, uh, support us in all of these endeavors. So yeah, I mean, they really believe in in making this accessible for, you know, mainly students. It's a good resource also for people to read before you do a Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't want to do the Shakespeare, but you want to read this translation first and then approach the script. Well, what you know, it's interesting in in this day and age, we've, uh, my students and I who are studying Shakespeare have had a lot of conversation about the, the social issues that are surrounding the day, whether it's misogyny or racism or any of the, the issues that we're dealing with right now. And so when we run across a word or some phrases that are a little controversial in this day and age, that is an interesting thing in terms of the play on. That's a resource now mm-hmm. in terms of the play on Shakespeare, because we can then, because we're coming up with words, you know, on our own, but we could just go to the play on and perhaps find a, a suitable translation for a less than savory Shakespeare line. In this day, absolutely, and and you know the yes, great. Uh, another thing we did this year was with the the Ashland High School Students Drama Club. Is we hired one of our uh, an actor, Jonathan Luke Stevens, to work with them and do a, a TikTok kind of festival where they could translate Shakespeare on their own. And when he finished, he came back to us and read some of the translations that the students had come up with on their own, and he guided mm. them through on them. Amazing, like just on their own, like what they thought this thing was saying in their way. And it, it's beautiful. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in love with the process and what it brings from people. So yeah, it will be a good resource. Just read it and you can see a word or see which approach. Some Jeff Witte's Midsummer uh, Night's Dream. Oh my God, Jeff Witte. And for anybody who doesn't know Jeff Witte, he wrote Avenue Q. Oh. Won a Grammy this past year for something else he wrote. This He did one of our translations and it's amazing. So you mentioned Titus Andronicus earlier. 
Mm-hmm. I liken Titus Andronicus to the Friday the 13th of Shakespeare plays with all the <laughs> baking and the pies and the tongue removals and the this and the that. It is definitely entertaining. And you said that was one of the first plays that really struck you. And you had to do a monologue by uh, Tamara, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And apparently you could probably do that monologue today. Well, I heard that I'm supposed to do like a little piece of it. I think five word, 500, my favorite little part of the monologue. Sure. Uh, but first of all, let me ask you this. What drew you to Tamara? The part about the father, her getting her son killed in front of her and her begging. And and and, and she's telling him, take my other two, which is but don't kill my firstborn. And the way she interprets their lack of sympathy and empathy for her state of being, but want her to be pranced around like a queen and used for her beauty and all of those things. So I like the fact that she's like, okay, I'm going to play this game with you, but I'm going to get you. You know, I'm never going to forget this. Do you actually think I'm ever going to forget you took my number one son and burned him and pulled him apart? I'm never going to forget that. But I'm going to let you believe that I did. But I'm going to get you. Yeah. I I just kind (laughs) of like like her. (laughs) And that's exactly what she does, right? And Um, then I'm going to have my lover be here. You left my lover alive and I'm going to get pregnant by him. That's right. That's right. Aaron. (laughs) You know, so like... It's just a whole lot of drama. I love it. Yeah. So where's your piece from? I mean, obviously it's from Titus Andronicus, but what act, what scene, what's going on? Act one, and she is um, pleading for to Saturnius not to kill Titus. Not because she wants to see him alive, because she wants to be the one to give it to him. <laughs> she's already playing the long game. Yeah. So that's what's so funny is she actually doesn't give a damn about him other than to be able to get her revenge upon him. We'd love to hear these lines of, that are your favorite lines from this moment. <laughs> I'm not going to give a performance, but I'll read it. Um, but she says, um, I'll find a day to massacre them all and raise their faction and their family. The cruel father and his traitorous sons to whom I sued for my dear son's life and make them know what it is to let a queen kneel in the streets and beg for grace in vain. Mm. Oh, I love that. Would you like to read the whole thing? I'd love to hear it. Okay, not so. I'll read it. I'll just read it. Not so, my Lord, the gods of Rome forfend. I should be author to dishonor you. But on mine honor dare I undertake for good Lord Titus's innocence and all, whose fury not yet dissembles speaks his griefs. Then at my suit, look graciously on him. Lose not so noble a friend on vain suppose, nor with sour looks afflict his gentle heart. My Lord, be rude by me, be one at last. Dissemble all your griefs and discontents. You are but newly planted in your throne, lest then the people and the partitions too, upon just survey, take Titus's part. And so supplant you for your ingratitude, which Rome reputes to be a heinous sin. Yield at entreats and then let me alone. I'll find a day to massacre them all and raise their faction and their family. The cruel father and his traitorous sons to whom I sued for my dear son's life and make them know what it is to let a queen kneel in the streets and beg for grace in vain. Come, come, sweet emperor, come, Andronicus, take up this good old man and cheer the heart that dies in tempest of thy angry frown. Yes. You know what? This is a speech I've worked on, and I think that there's a really interesting thing about this speech. 
that she's there's three points of view to this speech. One is the court and everybody in it. And then the second is this very intimate conversation she has with Saturninus. And then there's she talks to the audience. Exactly. And I think it's a delightful speech for the for that reason, in addition to all the reasons that you pointed out. But you get to play you get to play three points of view. And it's just it's an awesome moment. I love it because there's if, if you were acting in it right there's a point for some serious code switching mm-hmm. that she does, you know, that we do on a daily basis. Um, if you've seen that movie White Tiger, if you haven't watched it on Netflix with dealing with the caste system and how people have, you have to watch that movie. Um, it's real. And then of course, with, you know, a lot of BIPOC communities, you know, we always have to have as W.E.B. Du Bois says about our double consciousness. So it's like her being a foreigner coming into this land, even though she's a queen. And then, but she also has this other side that nobody will ever hear that voice that she will expose to the audience. So I think she speaks in her true voice during that. But this rest of the time, until she's in a room with Aaron alone or anybody else, you never get a chance to know who she is until she's away. So yeah, she has her court voice, you know, and her appeal and her this and her thing that she can do. She has this other thing that's going on behind her that's calculating and this other raw thing that is just underneath there. And then she has, but she's going to win over everyone. She's going to use her charm, her personality, her thing, but it's all, you know, just so she can do what she needs to do. Yeah. And she is, she's a force of nature for sure. Yeah. The one of the ones I just saw, we did a play on, we know we have a play on translation that's in ASL version, right. For um, that, that was written um, specifically for ASL uh, performers. And it was so amazing watching. We did a Zoom reading of it with Apothete Theater Company. And I always, I know everybody say Tamara. I, I still say Tamora. She's not Tamara to me. <laughs> Sounds more. Uh, but that's because that's the way I came into it. Tomato, tomato. No, no, it's only because I know like it's not right. But it's the way that I, I love her as Tamora. Like, an, you know, because nobody pronounced it for me when I came in touch with it. So she feel that in my mind. And it was beautiful. So she signed and a male voice interpreted what she was saying, but she was signing and he was doing at the same time. It was even more powerful. I felt like even just having her, like I still felt the story in a, in a different way. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's beautiful. Camila, I, I'm not familiar with this monologue. I've never been in this play. And the, I think the last time I really saw anyone perform this speech was probably in the Julie Taymor movie version. But hearing you perform it, I mean, really kind of hearing it for the first time. And I've got to say, you absolutely drew me in. I thought your performance was lovely. I call that a performance. I won't call it a performance, but in terms of what it did for the audience of at least this audience member, that was completely drawn in. Okay, thank you. I like it. I like what, like, and like um, James said too, all of the places you could go, it's a good monologue. I don't remember who told me to go look at it. But I did. And I, I, I got more out of it than just the monologue. I actually love the play because I thought it was like just I did not know Shakespeare would write something like that. You know, <laughs> like comedy and tragedy all in one. Like it was it's ridiculous. But it, and it's, it, you know, it doesn't take itself so seriously. So sometimes people I love Louie's approach to it, too. She sees way more of the comedy of it than I see because I relate to the character so much about her sons, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she just, you know. She broke all the rules. She had a baby on the backside, a lover. Uh, well, she bought the lover with her because she was having a lover with an old king. Right. You know, it's just all kind of drama. Uh, 
with her and who wants to bake things in pies and cut off tongues? Like you said, it's like Friday the 13th, all of that in one. And I was like, but you have this wannabe Shakespeare that every, you know, this version of Shakespeare that we like to see him as. I just don't see him like that no more than I see Jesus Christ walking around with a robe with flowers all over the land. He was a revolutionary. They hated him. They was coming for him. You know, you can, but you look like he's floating on water and looking like an angel. I just don't think so. And I don't, this Shakespeare that we have, that's just so refined. He had to, just like Tamora did, you know, have his voice in the pen, but he's really saying something else to us. And he was really doing something else during his time period. But if we like to think of him like that, sure, have it. But I don't think he's anything like what people say he was. And and this is one of the ways that I know that it's true. I think that's a really great metaphor for play on, for the play on Shakespeare, in the sense that there's, you know, there's this reverence for Shakespeare. And while the play on playwrights are taking pains to keep Shakespeare, there's also an irreverence towards Shakespeare in in the play on, in the sense that Let's make it our own, you know, let's let's modernize it. Let's take it into this day and age. Um, well, I think, I think, I think it's a great yes metaphor. And, you know, I think it's yes and let's revere him and his play and his story, but let's make it understandable for us and let's not be afraid of it. You know, I think some people want to make us afraid of play on. So I think the, I mean, I play on Shakespeare. So I think play on is like, hey, we're not, we're not, we're not scared. We're here to play um, as well, which for play and play on and players, let's go. Uh, we're not afraid to to break the mold. No more than Shakespeare was, right. <laughs> which he did. So it's in the spirit of him that we play using his own words, telling us to play on. I think you just brought us full circle beautifully. Camila Long, it's been delightful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank y'all for having me. Y'all got me to say stuff I didn't even know that I would say or that I, I thought. So thank you so much. And y'all got me to talk on here more than got me to read more than I wanted to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's when you got me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But it's good to be out, you know, and it's fun to play with y'all. And we glad that y'all are wanted to play with play on today and know yeah. more about what we're doing. So keep us posted on what you're doing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Camila. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thank you for listening to The State of Shakespeare. Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.